Before I invite up our um, speaker this morning, I just want to spend a little bit of time in prayer for us, for our province, for our country and our world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so grateful to hear your word from your spirit this morning reminding me, reminding us that it is not through our strength, through our power, through our greatness, and through our will that we accomplish your work on this earth. It is through you, through the work of your spirit, through the gift that you have given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for ourselves, for our personal lives, where we are, where we're at, for the struggles that you have allowed us to live under so that we may be made more like you, more in your image. You give us your gifts through jars of clay. You don't fix the jars. You don't make the jars perfect because then we would not learn to live in dependence on you. And so where we are blessed with ease and the things we want the way we want them, we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise. And where things are hard and not going the way we want or not the way we hoped for, we continue to live in faith and in trust that you are a good God, that you are doing your good work in us, making us more like you, transforming us into the likeness of your image, Lord. We pray for our church, for our church community, Eagle Ridge Bible Fellowship, that as a church body, we would be committed to working together, to serving each other, to living in friendship with each other, and to encourage each other so that when things are hard, we can say, yes, Jesus is with you. You have got this. That we could minister together for the needs of our body, and that through this love, through this ministry, we would be impelled to reach out to our community to the men and women and families in our neighborhood who need the joyful truth of your saving grace and your power to change their lives and help them flourish. Lord, help us as we love each other to also have one hand out inviting our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers uh, to join us in the transforming work that you are doing in us and in our church and in our province, Lord, and in our um, in our country, Lord, you long for us to let that love you have. David talked about the unifying love, not that we are all alike or think the same way, but that you were unified in our love for each other. And that love, you tell us, will impact our world, our community. It will impact our province. It will impact our country. Lord, we long to be a light and a witness for you. And we long for the leaders in our country to be led by your wisdom, by your truth. Uh, Lord, may you bless them. Scripture says that we should pray for our leaders. We should pray for them and um, serve faithfully under them. So, Lord, I pray this morning for our premier, for our cabinet ministers, for our prime minister and his new cabinet, Lord, that you would bless them with your wisdom with wise counsel, with leading of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, for the suffering of the world, for the war that continues in Ukraine, in Russia, for the fires that are ignited around our world, for the flooding that is happening in odd places, Lord, 
we ask that you would be present through the work of uh, churches and missions like MCC who provide relief and support in Jesus' name that, Lord, even in the midst of that suffering, people would see that you are God and you are in control and that you allow what you do for your own good purposes. I was reading in Psalms this morning how easy it is for us and for David to say, I don't understand what you're doing. I understand what's, your ha- what's happening, but we trust in you and we trust in your goodness. And Lord, we continue to pray for the staff and the leadership here at our church who are on vacation, who will be taking vacation. Would you bless them with rest and renewal as David goes away and Yosef takes some time and I do as well. And I know other members of our board are um, taking time off to refresh and renew. Would you bless us and bless the work of our hands for your glory and for your name's sake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite Terry Hibbert to come up and speak. Terry has preached here before, and I'm just delighted to welcome him up this morning. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good to be with you here today. And uh, just curious, do we have any wise people with us this morning? (laughs) That's probably good. Nobody put their hand up. because I want to take a look at wisdom, godly wisdom this morning. And uh, you probably know a basic meaning of wisdom, but how often do we think about it? How often do we perhaps even use it? You know, when we speak of uh, our faith and our belief, we speak of salvation, of love, of joy, of forgiveness, of repentance. But sometimes I wonder if wisdom doesn't take a back seat And yet it is so critical to our lives as Christians. And there is a difference, of course, between human wisdom and godly wisdom. Wisdom itself is based upon knowledge. And wisdom is how we apply that knowledge. And in an appropriate way, the attitudes that we have, the demeanors we have. It is discernment. It is good judgment. And for example, if you drive around uh, our community... Uh, Every once in a while, you'll see a road sign at an intersection that says this is a high crash zone. Um, There used to be one up on Foster Avenue in Blue Mountain. It's a warning to take extra care as you drive through that intersection, even though you may have a green light. And lack of caution at such intersections could ruin your day or even cause you and others serious injury. The wise driver will heed that sign. And so it is in life itself. Uh, There are various intersections that we come to in our lives. And when we come to them, in a sense, we're to use caution, wisdom. And God makes his help available to us in the form of his wisdom. Wisdom is a safeguard. It's a protection. And it's offered and given to us by the Lord himself. However, The choice is ours, whether we heed his wisdom or ignore it. You know, just as some people will slow down at a high crash uh, zone, while others will drive right through the intersection, just uh, ignoring the warning. And godly wisdom is based on God's truth that is revealed to us in the scriptures. 
For example, Satan knows the word of God. He may not even know it better than some of us here. But does he use the wisdom of God to apply its truths? Absolutely not. John 8, 44, Jesus says, Satan is a liar and he is the father of lies. So, you can have knowledge of what the biblical teachings are, the values, and so on, but knowledge alone does not guarantee that you will exercise godly wisdom. To exercise that wisdom, we need the salvation Jesus offers, and we need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But interestingly, and in the scriptures I'm using this morning, godly wisdom in a sense needs to be searched for, in the sense that our hearts need to be open. And we can read the scriptures, but do we understand? Are we seeking to understand what the Lord is saying? And God is not a passive player in any of our lives. He is actively seeking us, calling us, uh, wanting us to come to him, warning us also. And wisdom itself has many characteristics, and I just want to look at a few this morning from the first three chapters of the book of Proverbs. But first, let's read uh, from Proverbs 1, a scripture reading for this morning, verses 20 to 23, where Solomon says this, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. And so I will laugh when you are in trouble, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. And when they cry out for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all those who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear and harm. You know, and note how Solomon has uh, started this, this scripture. You know, uh, why should seeking and receiving God's wisdom be important for us, whether we're Christian or not. I mean, God would love that every human being would, would receive it. And probably many of you can give a, an answer to that question, but there's another issue we are facing today in conjunction with God's wisdom, and that is the erosion of accepting the Bible as the authoritative Word of God. Now, in society, that may not be unusual, but when it happens in the church community, 
as it is in some denominations, then we face a serious issue, for we start missing out on the life-giving wisdom that God has in his word. And you see, post-mod in postmodern thought, truth has become relative. Truth has basically become whatever you believe it to be. And so the prevailing thought in our society is that everyone has a right to build their lives on what they believe to be the truth. For those who do not believe in Christ and the truth that he died on the cross for our sins, that's a personal choice. And they have to live, as that scripture said, you know, by the fruits of what they believe in. But also the real tragedy comes when such postmodern culture and values begin to invade the church. How do we respond? What do we do? Do we tread lightly and not mention the word sin or moral absolutes? And we do that in order not to upset the culture or because we're afraid we might turn someone off Jesus and God? But then if we do that, which is actually, I know, is happening in some church circles, then are we not downplaying the reason that Jesus went to the cross, the reason he died for us, the need of repentance from sin, and ultimately the eternal consequences of that? Uh, David Wells uh, is a theologian, has been a theologian at Gordon-Conwell Seminary in uh, Massachusetts, and he writes this, Truth today is private, not public. It is for the individual, not the universe. The spiritual journey in our contemporary sense does not begin with what has been given by God, as it once did. Rather, it begins with self. It begins in the soil of human autonomy, and it gives to the self the authority to decide what to believe. And I think that's an insightful reflection on what has happened in our society as a whole and the way that it continues to go. It's drift away from God. Now, whatever else that may entail, at a minimum, it's a warning to the true church of Jesus Christ to be seriously on God. In a sense, it means doing battle on two fronts at the same time, defending and promoting our godly values in a society that disregards our Lord, while also defending ourselves from the infiltration and the acceptance of such values within the church community. You know, it's much like the Apostle Paul was doing in uh, the Galatian church. Remember that when we took a look at that when Pastor David was on sabbatical? Same, similar issues. And the church seems to have to fight these from one age to another. So how do we maintain the authority of Scripture in our community? How do we prevent our lives as believers from drifting, you know, into the morals and ethics of secular society? And there are probably a number of things we can do, but what I'd like to do for a few moments this morning is reference the biblical call to grow in the wisdom of God, which ultimately will keep ourselves safe from the outside influences. And again, notice how Solomon begins his first chapter of Proverbs and how powerful an understanding of wisdom he is truly concerned with. Proverbs 1, verses 2 to 7, he says this, 
The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And from this first chapter, and it'll continue into uh, the second and third chapters of Proverbs, we can discern four important things about godly wisdom. It calls out to us. It needs to be searched for. It has a pleasing personality, and it celebrates life. I want to take a brief look at each of these. And first of all, wisdom calls out, for, out to us. It's like a town crier, as verses 20 to 23 in chapter 1. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. It's like standing in front of city hall proclaiming the word of God. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. See, God's wisdom is not so much hidden from us. It's right out there, as Solomon is saying. If we'd open our eyes, we can begin to hear it, shouting to us. But at many times, you know, we're, we're so dense as human beings. And this is not your sandwich board variety of advertising, you know, some guy standing outside a restaurant inviting you to come in. No, wisdom is like an orator standing on a soapbox or some public intersection. Wisdom is calling to the crowds from a busy street corner, as it were, warning people to take stock of their foolish ways before it is too late. And the tragedy is that so many of us, and probably even some of God's people, we, at times we just don't want to listen. And that is why the book of Proverbs is so graphic and out front with the language it is using here and the descriptions that it is using for wisdom. You know, I wonder how many of us, it's not as bad as it was, but how many of us still see drivers in their cars with a smartphone in their ears? You know, what's smart about that? Actually, interestingly, uh, about a month or so ago, my wife and I were out in the community. We saw a lady driving her car with her pet dog sitting on her lap. Where is the wisdom in that? It looked as if the dog was even driving the car, you know? Human nature hasn't really changed much from Solomon's time, from any time, and it continues. And so when Solomon says, wisdom shouts out, He's saying it is something we really need to develop in our lives. Now, all of us in, in our own way, we can all turn a blind eye to wisdom. But look at verses 24 to 27, as Solomon puts these in, in the form of wisdom speaking to us. I called to you so often, but you wouldn't come. 
I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. And so, I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. I mean, that is a powerful and sobering text. Now, there's much encouragement in the book of Proverbs, I assure you, and we'll get to that as well. But this opening chapter and the next two or three, they pull no punches. You know, and we must be careful from going away from these scriptures thinking, well, you know, they don't really apply to me. You know, I'm a, not perfect, but I'm a pretty good Christian. Well, it's a challenge to each one of us, regardless of where we are with our walk with the Lord, you know, to think soberly of who we are and how we live our lives. And the fact that the Bible spends time warning us about rejecting God's wisdom is something we really need to take to heart. It should cause us to stop and think. But it also offers us security and safety for those who are willing to heed her call. Verse 33, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear and harm. And in effect, wisdom is saying, you know, we have a choice here. There is the way of folly, and that is refusing reverent obedience to God, which is wisdom's hallmark. Or there is the way of wisdom, godly wisdom, which offers life-giving knowledge of God and his ways. Question is always, which decision will we make? And that's the choice, really, that's presented to us from the beginning of the Bible to the very end. And in fact, Matthew 12, 30, Jesus said it very simply, he who is not with me is what? Against me. Yeah. So wisdom is shouting at us in our life experiences. It warns us to take stock of our lives. It desires to be at the center of our lives. It offers security and safety to all those who would heed her call. And it is saying we have a choice that will affect the whole quality of the lives we live. But then secondly, Solomon says, in a sense, wisdom needs to be searched for. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, first five verses. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Turn your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. You know, it's much the same thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And again, wisdom is not hidden in the sense that it's never available to us, or you really don't know where to find it. Proverbs 2 guarantees, as Jesus does, that if you sincerely seek for wisdom, you will find her. You know, and it, you find it in the Scriptures as we meditate upon the Word of God. Wisdom, he says, is just like a treasure. And the summons to seek wisdom is a summons to seek the Lord himself. 
and we are called to discern God's presence, you know, in the world, in the marketplace, in the nitty-gritty of everyday life experiences. And things like pride, looking out for yourself, seeking, you know, what you want throughout life, and focusing primarily on our own needs, those things can blind us to this wisdom. And if we take a moment and take those blinders off, then we can begin to see clearly. You know, the writers of the Old Testament from beginning to end always had a sense that God was with them every moment of every day when things were going well and when they were not. You know, and Job is a good example. If you want tragedy, you know, consider Job. Uh, he lost everything he worked for. He was a successful businessman. Job 1.3 says he was the richest man in the East. But through one tragedy after another, and in fairly quick succession too, he lost all his flocks and herds. They were stolen by raiders or destroyed by natural disasters. And then his seven sons and three daughters were taken from him in a violent windstorm. Now, in one sense, I know we regard the story of Job that is something far removed from our life experiences and agrarian economy and so on. Something that happened about 3,000 years ago now may not always impact us on the personal level a whole lot, but for a moment, just think, if you were in Job's place, what if your children's lives or grandchildren's lives were tragically taken from you? How would you feel? What would you do? And if that ever did happen to you, you know, they're still searching for two people out in uh, the Okanagan Lake area. The third fireman has just lost his life fighting the fires in our province. If that happened to someone in your family, what would that do to your faith? What did it do to Job's faith? I mean, even his wife, Job 2.9 says, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. And listen to Job's reply and see how it reflects on what Proverbs is saying. Job said, you speak as a foolish woman speaks. Should we accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And then the Bible says, in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Did Job pay lip service to God? Not on your life. And the Bible teaches us that the wisdom of God infiltrates all things in life. And for those who accept this wisdom, that wisdom provides a shield of security, a protection along all of life's journey. And in Job's case, that was borne out as he survives the tragedies that have come upon him, and he maintains his faith. It's difficult, and we need help at times like that. Wisdom is one of the sources that God gives us to guide us through life. So search for wisdom, God's wisdom, because I guarantee you'll never regret it. But then the third uh, characteristic, wisdom has a pleasing personality. Things get a little more positive in, in the scriptures now. And maybe you never thought of wisdom this way, but wisdom brings us a sense of joy, sense of well-being into our lives. Uh, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. 
for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you faith safe. You know, godly wisdom, Solomon saying, it's a delight to know. She shares her life with us uh, in a way that is joyous, affirming. It's life-giving, you know, and it's part of wisdom's personality not to force herself upon us, but to win her way into our hearts. And verse 12, wisdom will save you from evil people. So godly wisdom, in effect, offers us salvation as well because it always leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is his wisdom, godly wisdom, that's being spoken of. And if you read the rest of chapter 2, it affirms that sin and evil are alive and well in society and that people can easily be taken into the world's ways. Immorality, it says in verse 16, is compared to an adulterous woman. And we can succumb to such ways if we so choose. But when the wisdom of God enters our hearts, she is rather like a virtuous woman. And there is harmony within our souls. We become one with God. We become one with our own humanity. And that allows us to reach out and become one with those around us. Our personhood is affirmed. And wisdom makes us safe under God's protection. And you, you may know Proverbs, the last uh, chapter in Proverbs 31, have an amazing description of a virtuous woman. Uh, verses 25 and 26. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. And when she speaks, her words are wise. And she gives instruction with kindness. See, that's how godly wisdom changes our attitudes, our characters, our demeanor. That creates a pleasing personality within us. And Christians especially, hey, we, we, we should really want that. It's a good attitude to have. And then in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, you may well be familiar with these verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. The promise of assurance is ours as we truly live our lives with godly wisdom. It'll give us all a pleasing personality. And then the fourth characteristic, wisdom celebrates life. Let's look at chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding, for wisdom is more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you a long life with her right hand, riches and honor with her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. I mean, that's life. That's what God has for us. It's an exciting gift when you understand and, and allow wisdom to be a part of who you are. And given this description here, I mean, why would we want anything else? 
And I wonder, when was the last time, you know, we really thought of God's wisdom in these terms? And if you want to meditate on something, hey, take these verses from chapter 3. Let them live within you. Let them be a part of who you are. Find a home in your thoughts, in your mind, and in your heart. You do that, hey, you're going to make God happy too, and that's always a good thing. And if we allow ourselves to live in godly wisdom, life, in a sense, will always be a celebration in the good times, yes, but also in the tough times. Wisdom doesn't leave us when life seems to crash in upon us. And is this not what Jesus said, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more what? Abundantly, yeah. That's what wisdom can help create within us. And in verse 18, one more thing to pick out of chapter 3. Solomon says, wisdom is a tree of life. Now, you remember the tree of life was lost to us in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. You can read the story there. But the story doesn't end there. That life-giving tree is still available to those who seek God's wisdom. And, you know, every true believer will come to partake in that tree of life. It's interesting, John in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, describes the new heavenly city of Jerusalem. And then in Revelation 22, he has this vision uh, of a life-giving water, clear as crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it's flowing down the center of the main street of the new city, Jerusalem. And on each side of this river, he says, is a tree of life, the leaves of which are used for the healing of the nations. You know, it's medicine. And this is what wisdom has available for us. Godly wisdom is a treasure to be celebrated. You know, and it sustains us, it blesses us through our whole lives. And the Lord never rejects us on that. It is his gift to us. The teaching on wisdom here and throughout Proverbs, it's not esoterical, it's practical. It's available to every single person. But as you read through these chapters on Proverbs, you'll note that it's not forced upon us. Again, we have a choice. You know, it's God's wisdom or our wisdom. Which way are we going to live our lives? And in the New Testament, you know, Jesus Christ is revealed as the living embodiment of God's wisdom. Luke 2.40, soon after Jesus' birth, Luke says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So, maybe you never thought of wisdom in this way before that you've heard this morning. Maybe it's not really been an issue in your lives, but given God's word, you know, maybe we can be challenged, if we're not doing so already, to seek God's wisdom, the experiences. Seek it in those experiences of life that we are living. Seek it through his holy word, because that's where it gets revealed. And it gives us the wherewithal, like Job, to survive and to live and honor God in all that we do. So let me leave you uh, with a suggestion. One more slide, we'll put it up for you. 
Consider the following um, scriptures that I've uh, spoken on this morning. Proverbs 1, 20 to 33, Proverbs 2, 1 to 9, and Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. And perhaps ask yourself, have these scriptures impacted my life? If so, in what way? And as Solomon said at the beginning, let the wise grow wiser. And if not, you know, uh, how might your life change if you do take these thoughts to heart? Well, let me close with these words from Proverbs 3, 21 to 26. And wisdom is still speaking. My child, do not lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your souls. They are like jewels in a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security, and he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to uh, come forward, and as they do, let's uh, just take a moment for prayer. Father, thank you that you are so willing to give your wisdom to us, that it is here, it's all around us, Lord, even shouting out to us. And may we seek this wisdom with all our hearts and minds, in our prayers, in our meditations, our thoughts before you. Fill us with that wisdom, Lord, that we might experience the joy, the goodness, yes, and the salvation that your wisdom offers and points us to. Lord, we ask and pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Helps set the church on fire, does it not? Amen. Uh, just a reminder that uh, there is a prayer time uh, after church. There'll be a couple of people to my left. And if there are things you'd like to just spend a moment or two with somebody and just share them, please take that opportunity. We invite you to. And for a benediction, uh, let me close again from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 23. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you uh, for our time together here this morning. Thank you for your love and your wisdom. And may your word continue to speak to us as we leave here today. As Solomon says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. And so guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.